The year was 1600 when a group of English merchants secured a royal charter for the purposes of trading in the East Indies. The Portuguese secured enclaves on the west coast, the most important of which was in the Western Ghats. The French secured influence in the southeast. But all these three European powers were to struggle very soon. The reasons for their struggles, the reasons for their struggles were a plenty. But the most important ones were their tendencies to not play by the rules set by local rulers. The insistence on maintaining an armed force of their own, even when the local ruler guaranteed their security. And then, of course, there were the effects of their trading practices, which were beginning to be felt in the local economy and politics. Very soon, things came to heat up when small fights regularly started. to break out between these illegally maintained armed forces and the officers of the kingdoms during this time the dominant power in india was the moguls though it was on the decline after the death of its last ruler aurangzeb but they still enjoyed power and prestige a combination of factors and events were to draw the british and the other european nations into indian politics of course the major being the death of aurangzeb and the concurrent and resulting rise of regional powers but the british tried to take advantage of the instability and the resulting regional tensions after the death of aurangzeb they tried to conspire against the local ruler of bengal and they started plotting but this plot was soon seen through by the strong regional powers and a timely alliance was put in place to fill the power vacuum they collectively resolved to defend delhi and each other thus the first step the long process of national unification was taken after the death of aurangzeb when all northern kingdoms came together to ensure that the power vacuum so created was not to be filled by a foreign entity this process of national unification was as layered as it could have been on the one hand it was about finding common ground and bringing many states big and small together and on the other it was about fighting the external threat of the europeans Europeans who were looking for an opportunity to exploit the differences between all regional powers. It was in this crucial hour that a dialogue was opened and a group was formed consisting of representatives from all the kingdoms and princely states. The main task of this group was to come to a solution and a possible way forward towards national integration and unification. After death of Aurangzeb, succession of Mughal rulers proved to be a failure. And by the mid 1750s things have seriously gone downhill it was during this time that a conspiracy was unearthed by nawab of bengal this conspiracy by the british settlers was to overthrow the then nawab and put in his stead a hand picked puppet through machinations and intrigues a force of 800 europeans and around 2200 indian troops was gathered by robert clive he was confident that he has made enough promises to lure the puppet and to ensure that he would betray the nawab but this attempt would end as fast as it started the force of the europeans was met by an army of 150000 belonging to the ruler of bengal the moguls the nawab of awadh the marathas the sikhs and it was led by a maratha general peshwa bajira the battle took place at plassey Clive was defeated on day 1 and with it came to a very early end 
the only effort made by British on any other European nation to subjugate India. If we were to pick, it would be difficult as there is no specific date for the commencement of national unification, but 1757 definitely comes close. This is the date when the Battle of Plassey was fought, but also the first general meeting of the representatives of all kingdoms took place. This meeting was held right after Battle of Plassey, where the combined forces of the newly formed Union Guard, which had forces from all major kingdoms and princely states in India, defeated the combined but much smaller and weaker forces of English, French and Portuguese. This was surely an unholy alliance given the fact that the English and the French in particular were fighting each other all over the world. But here they saw no choice but to come together if they were to safeguard their interests. They had, they thought they could resolve their differences later. Right now, it was the Indians they had to worry about. Then there is another date, the adoption of the first constitution of the modern nation. It was done in 1764. This constitution was later amended many times. Most importantly, in 1857, to grant universal suffrage. The right of voting was initially given only to the landed class and this excluded a huge majority of the population. Then it was amended to ensure rights of the vulnerable communities. It was amended to ensure rights of women and all of this was done by efforts of mass leaders and scholars like Raja Ram Mohan Roy, Ishwar Chandra Vidyasagar, Mahatma Jyotiba Phule and Dr. Ambedkar in different times. Another year which holds at least symbolic importance is 1803. This was when the former Mughal capital of Delhi was finally declared as a national capital and the erstwhile system of shifting capitals which were decided in 1757 was done away with. The system was decided to satisfy the ego of many major princely states, but it was surely an administrative inconvenience. The nation was not uniform in the sense that different mini-constitutions for different states were allowed. Sure. All of this was done to reassure the princely states of their independence, at least on paper and theoretically. But all of this was still within the framework of a larger national constitution, which gave the Union the powers in all crucial areas of national importance like security, communication, defense, international relations, external and internal trade etc. This concept of mini constitutions was also finally done away with when a single national constitution was finally adopted, prepared by a drafting committee under the chairmanship of Dr. Ambedkar. This constitution did enough to conserve the federal structure but made the Union stronger. The period between 1700 to 1800 saw the beginnings of the development and rise of the modern Indian nation as we know it today. This nation was born out of sheer will and determination of a few strong men, fearless patriots and visionaries. But if you look around the world at this time, it was a very tense period. It was characterized by colonialism and imperialism. And as we have seen, it's not that India did not face the prospect of being colonized or that the British and the other European nations did not come to India. But what in fact happened was that India at that point, the collective geography, all kingdoms and principalities was responsible for a quarter of world's GDP. It was one of the most prosperous lands all over the world. It was thus no small feat to even dream of conquering this part of the world. What was not going for Indian people at that time was, was that the land was fragmented into many kingdoms, small and big. The polity was scattered and so was the national identity. The British did come. They came for trade. They approached as businessmen, but they had other plans as well. It can be argued and without doubt that they came from a culture which was far inferior 
a polity which was far weaker than that which they ventured into they came looking for favors and they came at mercy of indian kings they were surely viewed as a threat by indians and they were proven right when they had to come together to take on the combined european forces led by british very soon this was followed by the successful completion of the process of an unprecedented and seemingly impossible formation of a federation of erstwhile princely states states which were kingdoms ruled by kings of their own decided to come together to form a federation of states a truly remarkable feat they decided to name it bharat the reason why the kingdoms like the marathas mughals hyderabad avadh rajputana six ahoms and many more came together was a threat of an external invasion and subsequent colonialization of the region they felt that this would not just be devastating for the entire geography but could be an existential threat to their kingdoms they knew that they had differences but they also knew that their differences could be resolved later and it would be far worse to see them being exploited by these traders merchants conquerors and this feeling this possibility of being exploited did not come overnight a lot of events took place which led to this realization but yes this realization did come in saner sense prevailed and they were able to unite against these foreign elements and in time this national identity of india was thus very freshly established in the mid 1750s but the people were really proud of what they have been able to accomplish identity though in terms of region religion and caste still persisted but not so much that it would come in the way of national integration ever since the meeting of the first general body in 1757 India has risen to take its place as the most powerful as the most powerful country not just in the region but the world. It was the first country in Asia to industrialize, the first country in the world to have a space program, the first to develop a nuclear bomb, the first to send a mission to Mars and much more. With its huge geography stretching from the Milak to the Kibitu, the substantial population of 500 million in 2023 India has come a long way. It is now the most powerful nation on the planet by some distance. The Indian rupee is the global currency. The Indian passport is the most valued. Every year thousands of people come to India for higher studies and employment. India is home to the world's biggest technology companies. It is home to the world's most powerful and advanced army and it is the wealthiest nation by GDP. Now, let's come out of this alternate history. Many people argue that it was the British who gave us modern education. infrastructure railways modern posts universities civil services and a lot more then how exactly india would have done all this without them and that india was far too complicated fragmented and diverse to come together specifically in the 1750s the issue with this line of argument is the ignorance of a very simple and yet important fact that is india would have had all this even if british would not have come why first india was always a trading nation it would not have taken much for new invention technologies and discoveries to make their way to india and it is quite possible that without this colonial past many of these discoveries and inventions might have taken place in india itself and only that when these would have come to india on india's discovery or initiative they would have been used for national interest and development and not the interests of some foreign power which was only concerned with filling its own coffers and draining resources and wealth from the land also india would not have suffered famines its agriculture would not have been destroyed actual industrialization would have taken place and infrastructure would have been developed not to benefit 
just the colonial masters but the common man secondly as far as the argument of diversity goes formation of union is concerned i don't see why a unification of indian kingdoms and princely states would have been an issue it wasn't an issue after independence when sardar patel did it india was still very diverse fragmented and divided now people argue that it is different sure it is people also argue that unification like that of european countries would not have been possible in india as it does not have an underlying consistency like say of language to unify people what they forget is that india has something much more potent and stronger that is its culture culture, culture. which is older than any other civilization india would have done it all in a way where the benefits would have flown to its people india has been home to many enterprising communities who i see would have taken full advantages of the new inventions and discoveries during industrial revolution and would have established huge corporate houses indian government too would have taken initiatives in promoting science and technology it would have surely paid dividends when the initiative would have been taken in the 1800s and would have helped india become the first country to say develop the nuclear bomb now you might think that it would have been difficult and not so straightforward of course no doubt but it could have been done by assembling the brightest minds at the best universities which surely india would have had since it would have been operating universities throughout 1700s developing them throughout 1800s and by 1900s they would have had natural sciences departments which would have been thriving these departments would attract the best minds and who would not want to work in the land of aryabhatta bhaskar and shushur india would have produced some of the best works in physics and mathematics and there could be no doubt about it india would have also become the first nation to send a man on the moon there can be no doubt about it isro would have been established much earlier it would have enjoyed much higher budgets and would have begun the first systematic attempts in developing a national space program in the 1950s india has always had a great tradition in astronomy and mathematics and i don't see why this would have been a surprise the rapid technological progress that india would have taken would have led to massive industrialization and urbanization i don't see any doubt that almost 70% of its population would already be literate when they would have adopted a new constitution as i described in 1950s a good majority would already be living in cities and urban localities they would be enjoying a life expectancy of 50 in 1950 which would have grown to 88 or 90 by 2023 this mass urbanization industrialization would surely have had its effect on the population population would have grown very rapidly in the 1800s to the early 1900s but then it would have plateaued and then it would have gone down starting 1950s 1960s thus india in 2023 would have been the undisputed leader of the world in all senses of the term you must remember that getting a 250 years head start would have changed everything every single thing